0: G'day, welcome along to another sermon from Good News Christian Church in Howrah, Tasmania, Australia. I'm Bernard Kane. I'm the pastor. Get in touch sometime at goodnewschristianchurch.org or why not come by one Sunday morning. For now, here's the sermon. I just have a few um, comments before we pray and uh, focus on one Peter. Uh, it's uh, about this man, Wao Mingdao. Um, he was a pastor, he lived in China from 1900 through to 1991, Wang Mingdao, uh, and he spent 25 years or thereabouts of his life imprisoned by the Chinese government, basically because he refused to toe the line on the officially sanctioned religion in China. Now, why did he refuse? Well, because in Wang Mingdao's view, state religion compromised the gospel. See, it robbed it of its core. Um, And the state had turned the authorised and sanctioned and official and sort of acceptable church into part of its propaganda machine, so he refused to take part in it. He wouldn't toe the line. But he felt that he couldn't refuse to speak about Jesus. He had that burden on his heart. Um, In fact, he became a huge name in the house church movement uh, in China in the early half, uh, in the first half of last um, century. And as a result, he spent almost the entire time from 1955... Through to 1980 imprisoned. Um, there was a sad moment where they managed to convince Mingdao to recant, um, so to cave in, to go back on his convictions. Uh, he went back on his views, much to his later regret and shame. Um, but in a sense, I don't want to be too hard on him um, because they had also imprisoned his wife, you see, and her health was declining and, and they thought failing at the time. And so he recanted and um, they let him go, they let them go free uh, once he'd signed a a recantation. Uh, But Wang Wing couldn't live like that. He felt like he was a Peter, you know, Peter betraying his Lord three times before the cock crowed, that kind of, he felt he was a Peter. He felt he'd betrayed his Lord and he couldn't. Some say he had a mental breakdown under his regret. Anyway, back to prison he went because they found him yet again outside the sanctioned church, back preaching about Jesus, back at it yet again, according to his conscience. And uh, Ravi Zacharias, he tells this story about Wang Wingdahl's prison years, 1955 to 1980, about uh, his morning routine in prison, in prison because of Jesus. Wang Wingdahl said every day in prison, he woke up, and sang the hymn by the hymn writer Fanny Crosby. All the way my Saviour leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know, whatever before me, Jesus doeth all things well. That was his song every morning. And uh, Zacharias, uh, Ravi Zacharias says, um, at at first the guards tried to silence him. Uh, When they weren't able to succeed, they resignedly put up with his singing. Gradually, as the years went by, they would gather near the opening to his cell to listen as he sang of God's faithfulness to him. And eventually they began to ask him to sing to them and to teach them the words of the song. Uh, Now, friends, um, I don't know about you, I hear those stories. I I aspire, and I'm sure you do too, to the kind of spiritual vitality and energy and um, courage that would even dare to thrive and grow and emerge all the stronger from a prison in adversity, in the dark there. And I wonder to myself, do I have it? Uh, That creeping question comes in and I wonder if you can relate to it. How do I know if I would grow and thrive and emerge all the stronger? Um, Would my spiritual life expand um, and broaden in the confines of that prison cell? Or would I shrink and die and collapse and fade away? spiritually speaking. You know, we hear these wonderfully dramatic stories where God works in the lives of apparently ordinary Christians. Doesn't it make you wonder from time to time? And I think, friends, that's the natural kind of question to be asking as we return this week to 1 Peter, uh, the second half of chapter 1, chapter 1 into chapter 2. Why is that? Well, um, as we began to see last week, to whom did Peter write? Peter wrote to, chapter 1 verse 1, to God's elect. Yes, but what were their circumstances? Exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 and if the theory is right, which I shared with you um, last week and I suspect it is, they were exactly that, they were exiled from Rome, booted out of there because of Roman policy several times over in the first century, literal foreigners in other words, Um, homeless in a sense or at least having to make their home in a very foreign place indeed, hated no doubt as unwelcome immigrants, Uh, in these new regions where Rome had resettled them, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, and yet loved, Peter reassures them. Uh, Chapter 1, as we saw, homeward bound in view of the return of Christ. Peter reminds them, why? For they have found in Christ... Faith in a Father who guarantees their future. Do you remember last week, Romans? uh, Sorry, 1 Peter, I don't know why I keep saying Romans. 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, 1 to 12, as we saw last week. So we pondered this question, could 1 Peter be God's letter, essentially, to the refugee, revealing the heart of our God in the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to those who are shut out of life, Uh, cut off from love and hidden away at the fringes of the then world. That was last week. Well, this week, Peter goes a step further. How will you out there, uh, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, how will you not just survive, but thrive in your spiritual life out there at the fringes of the world? Um, Peter doesn't just want these scattered Christians it seems to me, to limp across the line, uh, to to cling on as long as they can until the tank runs empty and then they're snuffed out and that's it. No, I want you to run, I want you to shine, I want you to sing. I think that's more the tenor of this week's passage. So, as we track our way across today's passage, I think it it starts uh, kind of with their pre-Christian, describes their former lives in ignorance a spiritual lifelessness, it moves through a Christian new birth. Uh, Will they develop from spiritual babies into strong and healthy Christians and will they finish full of life and breath as these, uh, what's the image there toward the end of the passage, these living like heaving stones of faith founded on the rock that is Christ, this sparkling treasure yeah, in, before the eyes of our God. Will they? Will you? Will we, brothers and sisters? I think most of us can't really very readily relate to Walmingdale's circumstance. Not particularly, uh, not now at least, but I hope each of us, you see, will find ways to a- a- apply spiritual life lessons that could call forth songs from a lonely cell, or the praises of God from the scattered people of God, so that even the the guards would want to learn the word, so that even the natives of those regions would want to call on the name of the very same Lord. Shall we uh, pray as we come to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 into chapter 2? Let's pray. Now, Father God in heaven, we are acutely mindful of your goodness to us in the political and religious stability of our land today, Um, we certainly do not envy, even for a second, the horrendous circumstances under which our brothers and sisters in the Lord have had to live for Christ, both down through history, but even today, around the world. Nevertheless, Father, we fear, uh, some of us, some of the time, we fear that our faith becomes lulled, into inactivity and immaturity and even hollowness, not because we don't believe, we do, but we recognise, oh God, that we have it so easy. So may we learn from your Word now, please, how to really live for Christ, more than just barely living, how to thrive in Christ, whether the times be sunny and bright or dark and threatening indeed prepare us please, not only for those dark times but much further ahead perhaps, prepare us for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ please and in His name we ask it, Amen. So how might you lead a spiritual life of vitality that comes from nowhere to somewhere uh, to glory, from death to birth to a life that is beautiful in the estimation of our God and Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I make out three movements in this passage, as I said, um, from death to new life, from birth to strength, and then from starting out to singing loudly. Death to new life, birth to strength, and from starting out to singing loudly. uh, These three lessons from life in a hard place to life right where we are now. And the first call, this movement from, from death to life, is a call for these Christians in those circumstances to leave their past in the past, leave it behind, let it go. Will you walk away from what was and what needs to remain your past? Um, If we will not see that, then we cannot even begin to have an effective and growing spiritual life. Let's read the passage together from verse 13, we'll pick it up from there, where Peter says to these Christians, therefore... Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do for it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Which is uh, quoting, of course, from the words of God Himself uh, to the people of Israel, back in Leviticus particularly. Now, uh, can I just ask you, put you on the spot, and um, do do you know what biblical holiness is? So, we've got this Pithy little command there: Be holy, because I'm holy. God speaking to the people of Israel in Leviticus, and now Peter reappropriates that for the people of God in his day, in our day. Be holy, because I, God, am holy. Do you have a working definition of what holiness is? Do you want to sort of do you able to kind of put that in your own words, maybe? What is he calling for there, exactly? Uh, because this this one idea, if you can wrap your head around this, it could make all the difference in your spiritual life. If you had to paraphrase, be holy because I'm holy, can you put it in your own words? How would it go? Is it, get your act together, human? Because I, God, have certainly got my act together. Is it, sort your life out, mere mortal? Because I certainly have my life in order. Friends, I want to say that's not biblical holiness, it might be a call of sorts to a moral life but I don't think it's biblical holiness, God spoke those words to whom? To a people that He had set apart from the world, called out of the world, gathered to Himself, for Himself in fact, away from the, the tyranny of Pharaoh, away from literal slavery in Egypt Holiness, you see, it's about being taken out, it's about being set apart, it's about being dedicated to something new and better and more wonderful. I am not like the world of ignorance and evil and slavery and I have made you mine, so will you be mine? The Lord is asking, the Lord is commanding, the Lord is demanding. And brothers and sisters, I think we need to hear this, be alert to this. I think we soberly need to measure up to this. Do I see my life as set apart from the world around me and distinct from the world around me and necessarily different from the lives of people living in the world around me? Perhaps even the life that I used to live in, grew up in. as holy to the Lord because that's how God sees your life Christian as necessarily different separate set apart uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 17 since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. And I wonder if we we share Peter's blunt assessment there, if I'm to live uh, for this world, um, to play the other side of it, if my life and your life is but a matter of um, silver and gold, if the value of your life is but the trinkets and treasures, the fun and the froth then in the end it's a pretty empty life after all. No Christian, I want you to hear this, the Lord God of heaven has said it clearly, your life is precious to Him, it is for Him, It is you are valuable to Him, it matters how you spend your life, it matters to Him that your life means something and go somewhere and count. So what is the value of your life in God's estimation You were redeemed, verse 19, have a look at this with me. Verse 19, redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Are you alert to that? Left the past behind, let it go. Awake to what God has done for you, the value He's placed on your life, what He means uh, to do with you in this world. Because if we, let me say it bluntly, if we wake up each day, uh, pretty groggy to that fact. Uh, You know, a bit blurry and fuzzy about what my life is for today, what I'm trying to do, then your life will look like the death and emptiness and it can't go anywhere and it won't. Peter starts here, he says, wake up Christian, will you have a look at the value that God's placed on your life, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, will you? Be holy for I am holy, there's your life. Not in reluctant drudgery either but in delighted relief it seems to me. So we've got there, it starts there with that call from death to life, you know, leave the past behind, wake up to Christ, will you? And believe in God through him, um, death to life. Secondly, the call from birth onward to health, from new birth uh, to a rich health. And he actually says that if you're a Christian, uh, we talk about being born again, don't we? I think Peter is saying here, if you're a Christian, you mustn't be just satisfied, you mustn't stop at being just born again. All right? You, you, oh, you have to be born again. You have to you have to start the new spiritual life in Christ. You must be born again, but you are a Christian. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 23, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Um, so you have this life that endures and lasts and lives. Um, the seed by which you live isn't just the ordinary seed of a, an ordinary human father. That's the metaphor on view there, confronting as it may be. An ordinary human father fathering his children into life. Uh, no, if that were the case, you'd perish like grass, like the rest of humanity, actually. That's how humanity goes. We're fathered into existence through our earthly fathers, and we perish like the grass. That's not your story, Christian your story is much longer. No, uh, just like an earthly father fathers you into existence, God has fathered you into existence. How? Through the living, enduring word of God, that seed is the gospel and that father is our God. And do you realise that that means you live in a way that none of the rest of humankind does? For, verse 24, for all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Which means we now live, really live, in a dying world. That's Peter's assessment, isn't it? Christ lived... And so you live. And that's where we begin the new birth, but we mustn't stop there. Don't stall, right? Don't just um, kind of, you know, plateau at your uh, uh, at your birth weight. Do you remember, have you been around any um, new mums recently? There isn't a new mum in the world, is there, who is content um, with their child remaining at their birth weight. In fact, that's that's like this, it's a thing of terror in a way. You, you want the child to keep growing. There, is, is he getting enough in? Is he feeding well enough? I'm not sure that he's getting enough in, darling. We need to buy some scales. I need to weigh him again. I know the midwife was only here this morning. I need to. Can you go out and buy some scales, please? We need to weigh him again. I'm not sure he's getting. I'm not sure he's gaining weight. One Peter chapter two verse two, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Do we see that, friends, that the Word of God is the very elixir of life in the midst of a dying world, in a world where humans die every day and we have the elixir of life, nourishing us. He means to nourish our souls with a Word that will grow us up strong, do you see? It's what you do when you crack open the Bible each morning as it sits there beside your bed. It's a bit cold outside the covers, isn't it? It's much colder if you stay in there in the long run and leave the Bible shut, you realise? He means to nourish our souls with a word that will grow us up strong. Are you, I I say this, I don't mean this in a patronising, harsh way, are are you, in your own estimation, just privately with yourself, something of a baby in the faith still? You've got the new birth, you know you're born again, you've got the Gospel, you're clear on that. But contrary to your years, out of keeping with your years, still a bit of a baby in the faith. Well, you know what to do, don't you? You've got to discern the baby, crave that pure spiritual milk. Uh, But there is another side to this. Uh, Also, verse 1, you've got to discern the baby, but you've also got to throw out the bath water. Or in chapter 2, verse 1, it's more like bilge water, actually, I think is a fairer metaphor. Chapter 2, verse 1, therefore, rid yourselves, right, chuck it out of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. And I think the thing the, the thing that surprises me about that verse is that he, he isn't picking on what you might call the big sins, is he? Have a look at that verse there. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. He doesn't pick on the big, stinking, rotten, festering, vile, you know, don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Peter's not, Peter's not going after those vile, dark, moldy sins buried at the back of the fridge of your life. He's saying. Here's what's stunting your growth, Um, you're a hypocrite. Stark, isn't it? Here's what's stunting your growth, you're chewed up by envy, are you? You have a mouth full of sass. There's slander there, at the end of verse 1. See, it's not the big, vile rotten, mouldy sins at the back of the fridge. I mean, if they're there, then yes, you've got to chuck them out, get them in the bin. It's the carton of off-milk that you just haven't mustered the will to tip down the sink. Hypocrisy, envy, slander. Like newborn babies, verse 2, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up into your salvation Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. And finally, and briefly, so we've come from death to life, from new birth to rich health, and now from just beginning to live to really singing. Um, the Old Testament quotes in this in this last section from verse 4 uh, and onwards in chapter 2 through to verse 10, the Old Testament quotes I think are establishing just two simple truths really. Um It can be hard to sort of track what's going on with Old Testament quotes which always contain more than just the simple point that the New Testament author is trying to make from them. I think it's just trying to say two simple things. Firstly, that as a scattered, perhaps lonely, perhaps scared Christian off at the edge of the empire... You are part of the living, breathing project of God for the future of mankind, of humankind. Do you realise that? Do you have eyes to see that, Christian? Verse 4, as you come to him, that is Jesus, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, do you see? To be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. So that's on the one hand, you are part of this living, extraordinary, down through history project of God for the future of humankind, that's on the one hand. On the other hand, secondly, the world is going to hate his guts. Right, and Don't let that surprise you. Always has. The irreligious and the very religious alike. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 7, now to you who believe this stone, you know Jesus, is precious but to those who don't believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So friends, let's, um, let's move towards a conclusion. Brothers and sisters, I can't help but think that we live in an immensely privileged moment in time. Would you agree? In the plans of God, we've been called out from our own ignorance, about God. Uh, What was the rest of the history of of these people as Peter saw it, our own um, self-harming, as in harmful, self-destructive behaviours, self-limiting at the very least behaviours and sins, uh, called out from our own shunning of the God who so values us, you know, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been called out by a precious Word from Heaven that breathes life into our dying souls and the dying souls of anyone who will come to Him in faith. Peter wants these Christians to wake up to that. Peter wants these Christians to grow up in that. And Peter wants these Christians, I think, to positively glow with that good news. I take it that's the last bit in uh, verse 9, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, all that rich language there, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Declare the praises to whom? (laughs) To the dark world around them, I suppose. To anyone who will listen. And even back to God himself, verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Which brings me back to Walmingdale. Remember, Walmingdale said every day in prison, he woke up and sang the hymn, all the way my Saviour leads me, what have I to ask beside Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. And as we read, eventually they began to ask him to sing to them and to teach them the words of his song. Um, now, the story goes on, actually, with Walmingdale um, and I've been, I've tried to fact check this this week, I've heard it said but I haven't been able to track it down in, in sort of print, um, so I trust that it's right because I trust the person who I heard, first heard it from, but maybe it's not. Anyway, I'll tell you the story as best I know it. Elderly uh, Dao, released from prison in 1980, he came home and he didn't stop singing. Um, In fact, his friends would come over to his house and they'd find him singing very loudly indeed Um, and they'd try to stop him because you need to realise this is the underground church, um, he's living outside of the law and you understand he hasn't joined the state church and he's almost certainly being watched and monitored and his friends would come around hearing him from, and they'd say, what are you doing? (laughs) I can hear you singing from out on the street. Have you lost your mind? uh, Just turn it down a little bit, can you please? And Walmingdale replied, I sang when I was in prison. I will sing louder now that I'm free. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, our Father through the seed of the gospel, redeemer of our imprisoned lives, we do want to learn to sing the songs of those saved through Christ, not just with our voices, but with irrepressible hearts, that we might be heard by people who, like us, need to find life and that they might find life as they hear us declaring the praises of our God. Father, may we wake up to Jesus more and more. May his love, may his blood, his uh, rejection at the hands of humankind, his purity, shape our lives down to the details, even of our words and our speech, our daydreaming, our stewing and our craving. Give us instead an insatiable appetite for Jesus, please. May we never have had enough of him. Finally, God, we thank you for heroes of the faith in dark days gone by, whose, yes, flawed faith, yet lights the way for us in the good days right now. Please sustain your suffering children today, we ask, O God, and specifically we do pray for growth in the Church of God in China, uh, for courage among its leaders, especially those who are currently in prison or who have recently been released. May they and we declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.